I think it's very important for us to to get to know the animals that live with us and do well with us. You know, most animals we hear about are those that we cause to go extinct. And there are some animals that do quite well with us. And, and crows are one of those. And they've influenced our culture uh, for millennia. Think of our la English language and the, the references we have to crow. It's not all bad. The crow's nest of a, of a ship, for example, or mm. a crowbar to open things. Mm. But understanding them can help us, I think, deal with that challenge and learn to live with them. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to At Home with Lyndon Drew Scott, a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about what makes us feel most at home. Mm, nature makes me feel at home. I love nature, too. I put nature sounds on when I'm falling asleep at night, so. Like ocean noises. It's like bird. Have you listened to it when I put it on? Yeah. Well, sometimes like I'll do, I do Tibetan bells water. or I do like chirping and, and water noises. That is at home. <laughs> and so is this. All right. I, I got to be honest with everybody. I really have no idea why I'm here because Linda will not tell us who our guest is. It's a surprise mm -hmm. guest. Drew keeps trying to... Uh, Get I stuff just want out hints. of me. I just want he a little hint. Hints. Like, I'm like, do I know the person? Is it something I'm expecting? Is it something I'm be mad about? <laughs> but anyway, she wants to give a Are little you intro. Are you I, nervous? Like, what do you? Who do you think it is? I'm not nervous. I just, you know me. Sometimes I like to know what's coming, but in reality, it's no. It's you fine. like to improv. I do like to improv, but I also like knowledge. But what do you think it is? Or like, what do you think the topic is? Therapy. Hmm. Um. It's a form of therapy. A form of therapy. It's, it could be therapeutic. Okay. Like like something that I need. Like you're like, Drew needs this. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, Linda is telling me that I do have to leave the room while she yeah. gives the introduction to yeah, our guests. Yeah, because I, I want it to be a surprise when we hop on the Zoom. All right. Okay. Actually go. <laughs> How'd you know I was still here? <laughs> She's actually making me sit in another room. So we're actually yeah. in different rooms. All right. I'm going to unplug and I'm going to turn off my volume. So go for it. All right. Okay. Everybody. You all know Drew's battle with the crows. It is, it has been going on for like two years and it's only getting worse. We've tried, I think we've tried everything. Um, I mean, I don't, they've been tearing up our lawns, all the crows. And I don't like them tearing up the lawns. But I find so much entertainment <laughs> whenever Drew runs out there and like chases after them like a crazy person. I'm sure the crows look at him and, and laugh. I think they do laugh. They're like, caw, caw, caw. <laughs> anyway, so we found uh, our guest today who is the perfect fit. This is just what Drew needs. His name is John Marsleff. And he is professor of wildlife science at the University of Washington. And he focuses on the intriguing behavior of crows, ravens, and jays. He has written six books and edited several others and has authored over 140 scientific papers on the various aspects of bird behavior and wildlife management. I say we get into it and surprise Drew. This hey, I'm is, back. Is, this, is it time to come back yet or not yet? Did you hear any of that? No. You didn't actually. No, I didn't actually. Okay. <laughs> well, this is John Marsleff. Hey, 
Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. So as a reminder, you were a mystery guest to Drew. So he has no idea what we're going to talk about. I literally oh, fantastic. Have, you, you're going to have to tell me who you are and, and <laughs> how we're connected or are we connected or, yeah. Yes, you, you are now. <laughs> so I know what this is, John. Uh, Linda is trying to replace the John in my life. And so there, now you're going to be the new John in my life. Welcome. <laughs> it's great to be the new John in your life, Drew. The new property <laughs> brother. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to... To chat with us today, I'm very excited mm-hmm. to learn all about uh, what you do. Absolutely. Can you start by introducing yourself, please? I can reveal my identity. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're, you're a superhero. This is we're finding out the Clark Clark Kent's identity. Yeah, uh, I'm John Marsluff. I'm a professor of wildlife science at the University of Washington, and I study birds primarily, how they relate to human activities, everything from development to forestry things to conserve them. And uh, my specialty is working with crows and ravens, which I understand have a connection with you, Drew. (laughs) A huge connection. (laughs) Huge connection. Oh my gosh, this this is amazing. This is hilarious. Okay, how much... Of my woes has Linda shared with you? I, you know what? We're, we're putting together a reel of uh, videos of Drew and crows because it's, uh, whenever we're home, it's a, daily, it's a should, daily thing. Should I just explain? Should I go back to the start? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This is the thing with me, John. I love nature. I love everything. I love animals. I love being, like, I was raised this way to be harmonious with the planet and every every creature on the planet. I'm someone who, I don't even like to, if I see a, if I see a spider, I don't like to kill a spider in the house. I will, tr- I will spend an hour to try and, like, safely get it <laughs> in a container and take it outside and let it be free instead of hurt it. The crows, let me tell you. On the other hand, sort of. I would have no problem with crows. We have a friend of ours, Bernie. He's made friends with them. They they bring him little treats and he'll like sing with them and stuff and it's hilarious. Anyway, the crows just keep coming and ripping up like the lawn. Like we we had a beautiful lawn and they rip it up by their beaks in chunks. They rip it out to try and get to the grubs, I'm assuming. Yep. Or just to piss me off. Uh, but anyway, Maybe. and yeah, like that's the thing. Like I've researched and I've read and I see they're so, they're smart. The crows are smart and they remember things and they'll, and they'll hold grudges if somebody's, you know, shooing them away. But my whole thing is they keep coming and ruining the lawn. And I'm like, what else can I do? So part of our lawn, I replaced it with turf. 
and that stopped them. But I'm like, I don't want to replace all my lawn with turf. I like like AstroTurf? Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's nice. It's a nice looking turf. It looks real. But my whole thing is like, well, also at the front of the house down on the street, it's a historic area. We're not allowed to convert that. So it has to stay grass. But right now it's grass with giant bald spots. And even, uh, even yes- really yesterday, oh, I get, I'm getting worked up. No, yesterday I'm just, I'm up in the bedroom level and I look out the window and there were about seven or eight crows and they're all, one's standing like, like lookout on the fence post, and then the others, another one's in the tree, like a lookout, and then the others are down in three sections of the grass, and I just see them ripping, turning their heads, Mm -hmm. tossing, ripping. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's my rant. I'm like, how? I don't want to hurt them. (laughs) I I looked up the bylaws and what you're allowed to do (sighs) with with crows, and in our area, if they are causing... I can't, I, I'll have to look it up and, and I'll share how they worded it. But basically, if they're causing harm to yeah. property or person, I'm allowed to get rid of them, even if it's exterminating them. I don't want to do that. That's so mean. So I was, I, I've been trying ways just to shoo them away, to scare them. I was thinking of getting a sprinkler that's on a detector that'll just spray. Yep. But what are your suggestions in becoming friends with the crows? Well, first thing, you're not going to get rid of all of them, regardless of what you do. And you'll just really make enemies with those that you don't get rid of. Mm-hmm. So I would I would definitely recommend not trying to, to be too aggressive with them, because then your life will really be miserable. Everywhere you go, they will follow you and hound you and dive at you and, and, and cause a scene that other people wonder what the heck you ever did to these birds. So I would avoid that at all costs. They are, like you said, um, they, it's not uncommon for them to go in and rip up lawns to get the grubs. They're either crane flies or um, there are some invasive, new invasive species of insects that are in the lawns mm. and get moved around probably as we transplant uh, lawn around. And the crows are removing those too. And that's when they usually do when they're really ripping out a lot of the, the grass. Mm. So to some extent, they're, they're doing a service uh, to the to the system by removing those pests um, from your lawn, and you can't convert that lawn to shrubs or anything like that. It's not allowed with the with no, the regulations. No, down where the street is, where it comes to the front of the street, and then the the grass along the walking path. It's heavy uh-huh. restrictions as well. But also, it looks beautiful the way it is. Yeah. And to me, it's I, I just feel it's it would be silly for me to have to go and spend. Five ten thousand dollars to replace this just to make it so that the, the birds are happy and don't do it. I'm like, how about the birds find somewhere else to pull their grubs and things from? Yeah. So I like the sprinkler idea. That's a good suggestion. And on a um, somewhat of a motion detector, you know, you, you might you might end up spraying somebody walking along the path. But yeah. that's what Linda said. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but the crows don't like to get sprayed with water, and they will definitely avoid that if it's. If it's automatic when they're there and you get them every time. The problem with these birds is that if, you, if you're not there all the time shooing them away, they get in there, they're successful, and that'll keep them coming back. The, the issue for me is I know it's like training. It, it is training, but mm-hmm. they come right as the sun's coming up before, you know, usually before we're up or, or I'm already at work or something like that, and they just come in and out. And literally, I've looked back at our cameras, mm-hmm. and within... <laughs> Three or four minutes, they basically will rip up a, a you know a five by six section of the grass. Like it's all mm-hmm. like all patchy looking now. Um, but I've tried. I tried the owls. So actually, first off, I tried the um, the sonar or whatever it is sound the sound yeah. and light thing, and that wasn't really doing it. And then I tried the owls with the bobbly weird heads and the creepy eyes, and that worked 
but then you they have to were keep moving them around. Yeah, well, we had to keep moving them around. Otherwise, they were getting they were realizing they're fake. But then I think even though we do move them around now, they know they're fake. And yeah. so literally yesterday, they went and they ripped up all of the grass all right around where the owl was standing. <laughs> Jerks. Yeah. Here, here's a, here's another idea, and it could be fun to to video it as well. If you get some black feathers, so you can get you know a black feather boa, uh, especially now around Halloween. Uh, at least down in in the U.S., you can you can get things like this pretty easily at a costume store. Mm-hmm. And if you at night don't do it when they can see you, or again they will they will hold it against you, but shred that boa so there's a cloud of feathers on the ground. Uh-huh. Okay, when they come in in the morning, they see all these black feathers, and maybe you can even find with Halloween decorations now. It's not uncommon to find a raven or a crow. Dummy. I have one. Okay. Oh. I have a, and it, it looks exactly real. It's like, it's probably some sort of real feathers. Um, so this is what's happened. We've, I've put that out. They freak out. Mm-hmm. They go crazy. It's like, they're like, hey, they got Bob. And mm-hmm. they like all yell at each other. And then they all come over and they're circling and circling and they're mm-hmm. figuring out what's going on. I had one, our friend was staying with us and I had her take it out and I forgot to tell her, make sure they don't see you. <laughs> and she was already out there and she's FaceTime with me. I'm like, oh, make sure to put it down when they don't see you. And she's like, wait, they're in the trees. They see me. And she looked up and she put it down. And within 10 seconds, she got a video. She ran in the front door and slammed the door and they were circling around like crazy and and, and cawing, it sounded like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an alarm response. It's telling others in the area this is a dangerous place. Um, but if you did that with the bird laying down, you know, like it's dead, mm-hmm. not like it's standing up mm-hmm. perched, yeah. dead with feathers around it, and that response should keep them out of that area for a while. I guess what I need to do is do that again. I've never done the feather thing, the loose feather thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Linda? They're definitely on to us. And they're, we know how smart they are. Um, and before we get into you know, more about how humans and wildlife can and should coexist, um, John, we'd love to hear more about your work and how you got into it. Sure. Um, well, somewhat got into it the same way you guys got interested <laughs> in them. Um, you know, you see them doing strange things. In our case, we were we were monitoring their nesting and, and behavioral activities just to learn more about them and to see how they might play a role in preying upon one of our endangered species here, another bird called the marbled merlet, a little seabird that nests in the forest. And crows and ravens and jays are all in the same family. They are predators on those birds. Mm. So we were funded to understand the extent to which they were a real uh, issue for the merlet or not. And uh, as we did that, and 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 back on campus, this was out on the Olympic Peninsula. We're back on campus in Seattle. We still have the birds around, and um, we start observing them. And we think they're paying attention to us and avoiding us, not being aggressive, not doing any damage, as as you saw, but still doing things that we didn't expect, like seeming to hide their nest and go to a different place when we were uh, looking for their nest to study them. So hmm. we thought, well, we'll do an experiment and see how much they really recognize us. And we did that by wearing masks so that the same face could be on many different people. So we have a caveman Mm. mask that we wore, uh, that we caught a few birds with. And after we caught them on our campus, then we would walk around and anybody we'd get uh, enlist all sorts of people to, to walk around with this, with this face and see what the birds did. And, And they did what you described drew with, uh, 
with the dead crow that you put out there. They circle around us. They give these harsh scolding vocalizations. They dive at us mm. and basically push us out of their territory like they would any other predator. Oh, interesting. The interesting thing is that most of the birds that were doing that were not the ones we captured. They were other ones that might have seen it. So maybe those that are circling around, you know, the, the feathers or whatever on the ground. Because when we catch a bird, we catch it in a net. It's trapped on the ground. We don't harm it. Mm-hmm. We, we take it out. We band it. We let it go. But to any of the birds that would fly by at that time, it would probably look like they were dead birds because they're, right. you know, stuck under this net. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it was a lot of birds we didn't touch that were aggressive to us. And uh, that was 15 years ago. And still to this day, when I wore that mask on campus, I get attacked and scolded by really? crows. Really? I thought crows usually like a five to seven years and ravens maybe a little longer? Or what is it? Actually, crows live longer than ravens. It's surprising, uh-huh. even though they're smaller. They're not mm-hmm. in such dangerous situations being in the city, I think, for the most part. Um, but but anyway, yeah, uh, the typical lifespan would be five to seven years. But uh, we have some birds. One of our birds from 15 years ago is still alive. But mm-hmm. most of the birds that, again, are scolding us now, you know, over a decade later, are not birds that were probably even born when we mm. did our first capture. And, and the caveman has done nothing bad since then mm. except walk around like once a year. And so these birds have learned by observing other scold. It isn't like they go back and say, hey, there's this dangerous guy, you know, stay away from yeah. him. Uh, but when, they, when a bird sees him who's had an experience with others that were scolding that person, they all start scolding. And evidently at that time, they um, seal it in their brain that this is a bad guy. And anytime you see this guy, scold him. And then all the new birds from the year hear yeah. the scolding, come over and see it and learn. When you were doing those tests, did you ever wear that same mask all at the same time? I'm just curious if they would if they would be smart enough to understand like, hold on a second, there's something weird. That should only be one person, but now I see 10 of them. Oh, um, no, we never did that. Um, mm. we, uh, we, we have a lot of different masks that we've tested since that time. Mm. And... Um, but we've never had two of the same people with the same face. Now, now I think, you know, a twin, for example, could mm-hmm. do that. That'd be an interesting mm-hmm. experiment. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jonathan and I will do that with our crows out front. <laughs> yeah. So I tried one other thing, which I, 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 I picked up like a laser pointer. Yeah. Because my, my whole thing is, again, I don't want to hurt them. Because somebody's like, oh, just shoot them with a BB gun or something. Like that. I'm like, no, I don't want to hurt them. But mm-hmm. I thought, so I was researching and I, I didn't see, I thought for me, if you were to go like this in somebody's eye, that's really annoying and, ju- and sort of jarring. So I thought if I was to do that with a laser pointer, that mm-hmm. it might like confuse them. They don't know what it is and they will leave. Mm-hmm. And so I got a laser pointer and I've done that. And it does seem to confuse them and they go away. But no. but my thought, I mean, at the end of the day, is. I'm curious when you see people who kind of befriend them or they come, become used to it, but is there a way that is not like shooing them, but creating a harmony with them where you can be like, okay, they respect my space now and this is my space and you have your space, but they're not going to come and rip it up because they don't know that they're doing something wrong. For them, it's just a, na- a nature thing. But then like they, yeah. they were here first. W- were they? <laughs> I was here first. Uh, were you? They're, they're younger than me. I'm the old guy. <laughs> But they don't know it's your place either, you know, along the same lines. It's their place. It's probably a territorial pair that's raised kids there for a decade or so and um, will continue. New pairs will come in there. So this is just crow habitat to them. Mm -hmm. And it's a great feeding spot. So harmony in that respect would be more your toleration of what they're doing, which I understand is 
isn't a good answer for you, but, but that's the way to harmonize with them. Um, you can point out to them that it's a scary, dangerous place, like we've talked about. And the laser, it's an interesting thing. Um, there are lasers being developed to scare ravens and crows and blackbirds out of agricultural settings where there are predators on almonds, for example, mm-hmm. you know, big cash crop. And these are industrial scale uh, lasers that they use and they can fire from a long ways away and they're starting to come up with ways for them to detect when the bird's there much like your motion sensitive yeah. sprinkler it's again it's this full court you've got to be there all the time and hit them with a sprinkler sometimes hit them with a dead crow other times hit them with a laser at other times but once they get a foothold in there you know it's a good deal for them it's a great mm-hmm. resource of food and they're yeah. loath to give it up Linda gets huge pleasure out of seeing my anxiety here with with how I deal with it. Like, like even yesterday, I was like, oh, I got to go. And she's like, what? And she was just sitting working. She wasn't going to get up. And she's I'm, I'm, there are crows on the front lawn. Boom, she's out of her seat grabbing her camera and trying to follow me. <laughs> has the grass started to grow back at all, any of these places? Several times, because this has been happening for the last couple of years. So yeah. several times um, we've, uh, you know, reseeded or some, some areas, you know, we've um, put more sod down. So yeah, we've had to redo it several times. And it's just because they don't just take out, they don't just trim the grass. They literally pull out the roots. So it's not going to just grow back um, right. that same way. So well, there's your harmony. Just keep replanting grass. It gives you something to do in the, <laughs> you know, in the off season there. So terrible advice, John. Terrible <laughs> advice. They habituate to anything that really isn't super dangerous to them. So I would try to, to emulate that danger as closely as you can. And, um, if you ever find a dead crow on the road somewhere, you could take it and throw it in the lawn again oh. when, when they don't see you do that. But I will. otherwise, your dummy crow and, and feathers is a great substitute. I'll leave Linda to touch the, the no real way. dead crow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that where it is. Um, can you impart some uh, cool facts about crows? I think, of course, once we get to know things as my we do empathy people. will grow exactly your empathy yeah. and compassion for them will grow because you understand them better mm-hmm. well that's a i mean I, I hope that is the case that's that's something one of the main reasons we try to understand these birds better but yeah so some of the neat things about them one their vocalizations are incredibly complex they have uh, many different calls that mean everything from danger to food to contact with their lifelong mates um they have individual voices like ours. So they recognize one another by the uh, intonation of their voice Hmm. and respond appropriately. Uh, They use the same calls that mean very different things depending on the setting that they're giving them in. So a cause, not just a call. It's it's a lot of information and it depends on who's saying it, where they're saying it, when they're saying it in terms of what it means to the birds listening. So trying to understand all their Vocabulary is quite a challenge because of that complexity. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. I've noticed... It's like sometimes they'll sit on the power line out back and one will sit there and like there's some there's something they all love in the house behind us um, 
because they'll come every other day and they and they'll sit on the line and then they'll sort of like dive bomb down from the line and do something and then they'll end up back mm. up there again and they just do that over and over. But one will stand there and he like leans forward off the power line and like. <laughs> Ha ha! Ha ha! So I'm assuming that's probably him being like, hey, everybody, it's ready. Delicious time down here or something like that. Maybe, or maybe he's saying, hey, this is my place. This is my place. You know, stay the heck away. That's mm. more likely. Um, some of their vocalizations are attractive to others to come in, but but as with most wild animals, they're not keen on sharing something, <laughs> some rich resource with others, unless mm. it's to their advantage. So in the case of, you know, having several birds uh, picking at the lawn, some of which are not on the ground, they're up in the tree or the fence, that's kind of a loose cooperation. It's beneficial to the birds to allow those others to come in and share the food, even mm. though that means less food for them because they get some protection out of it. Mm. Oh, I but see, I see. I think that's a good way to think about what these birds are doing. They're selfish for the most part, but if it benefits them to have others around, they'll do that. And one of the coolest ways they do that is every night when they go to roost and they spend the night together with thousands of birds, thousands yeah. of other crows in a fairly secluded place, usually trees in the, in the city somewhere in a park, something like that. And that benefits them from one, they, they all come from kind of a, the same commuting radius. And mm -hmm. two, they get benefit from um, detection of predators, owls at night, which are their main predator. Mm. Oh, I didn't know owls were their main predator. And so this is something that's always fascinated me. When you think of someone who's a real jerk, and you think of a group of jerks, what are you going to call them? A murder. Like, yeah. seriously. Could they not, like, if they wanted to make crows, like, feel friendlier to everybody, could they not just call them, like, a pleasantry or something nice? <laughs> and, pleasantry. Yeah, but no, they call yeah. them a murder. That just means they're out for no good. Yeah. And of course, that's, you know, from from their long history, scavenging dead things, including humans, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in the medieval times and 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 earlier, these birds were on the scene before humans evolved and they um, evolved with us, crows and ravens as scavengers. And they've they've influenced our lore and legend ever since that day. I have another question for you with your extensive knowledge. When I look at some birds, it's like music to my ears when I hear them. Then I hear magpies or crows <laughs> or ravens, and I'm like, that is not the thing that I want to have lull me to sleep at night. Or, or I, well, mind you, at nighttime, they're pretty quiet because they're already in bed. But in the morning, yeah, they're making the noise ah! right outside my window. I'm like, what's, what's your opinion on their language is beautiful, that it's diverse and unique to every crow, but it's not that beautiful sound of a songbird well technically they are a songbird so uh, really? and i know that's just hard to hard to they, wrap your they head would around. not make it on the voice they would be canceled <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know to me the interesting thing about their voices is, is as you get to know what some of these calls mean you learn a lot about your surroundings so if i hear crows for example giving the scolding vocalization i go over there and check it out because i'm likely to see something rare mm. maybe a hawk an eagle I've seen bobcats this way, coyotes, mm. oh, wow. um, all kinds of uh, small owls and, and large owls as well. So to me, that's a that's a cool sign. like, hey, there's something neat and interesting over there. Let's go check it out. Mm. Um, you might also see some interesting behavior under certain um, vocalizations where they're chasing one another, fighting over a resource or or other things. So to me, it's mm. information about what's going on in the natural world around me more than it is pleasantry. Because I agree. I mean, I have 
um, winter wrens here, Pacific wrens that sing this time of year even, and that's music to your ear. It's fabulous. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's certainly more pleasing than a crow, but yeah. um, not as informative. <laughs> that, that's interesting to me that you're, you, so you know the differences. I thought maybe you, you weren't sure, you know, they're trying to do something. So are, can you show us, can you do like a couple of different sounds that are really unique to you that you know what they mean? Yeah, I, I don't do them very well, but for example, when you hear a begging call, you know there's young birds around, maybe a nest, or maybe uh, parents feeding them, and those young crows are like, ah, 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 like that, going on and on and on. It drives you crazy. <laughs> Early in the season, you hear that, and it's a female being fed on the nest. So again, it can alert you to an interesting location that you might want to watch more, a nesting uh, situation. Interesting. The sharp, um, you know, aggressive mobbing calls ah, 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 uh, that you hear that's when and especially if you hear many birds doing that so not yeah. just one which could be a variety of things but many birds in a mob doing that that's when you know something interesting has happened uh, that's when they could, see me <laughs> yeah that's when they see you i'm yeah. sure that's when they see me with that mask on <laughs> yeah so um but that's also when they see an owl or um a, a predation event that's happened maybe one of the crows has been killed by, uh, by a predator. And when they give their regular cawing and and that sort of thing, it means so many different things depending on the situation mm. that that usually it's something to do with this is mine, stay away, or hey, where are you if it's it's communication mm-hmm. between a family. If they're tweeting one mm-hmm. another. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm not the only one who has been trying to shoo them away. Linda, you can tell about your when you hide behind <laughs> yeah, the window or door. I don't want them to see my face. So I I looked on YouTube and I've looked for predator like sound effects and uh-huh. I just I just put the phone out the window and I play it and they they're alert. I don't think it's ever scared them away. No, they're alert. And they're like, oh, somebody's trying to fool us over. <laughs> they're probably like, what an idiot that human. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've done experiments with them. We've done brain imaging of them to see what part of their brain is activated by different sights and sounds. And boy, I tell you, uh, playing them the scolding calls of of those birds, that's pretty um, upsetting to them. But nothing is as bad as an actual taxidermy mount of a predator. Mm. So when we've shown them a red-tailed hawk, for example, a mounted one, which is also a predator on them, and they're young, wow, their their brain lights up with uh, memory centers really encoding um, that this Mm. is a difficult uh, situation I'm in and also that the decision part of their brain, much like our prefrontal cortex, our forebrain, when we are faced with a confl- conflicting situation, if we show crows in the lab a, a hawk like that, that's the part of their brain that's lit up because they're in a confined space and yet they're facing a deadly predator. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they're weighing, gosh, do I attack mm. or do I flee? And, and in the wild, I'm sure birds are making <laughs> that same decision. Some flee from that, others come in and, and mob it. Have you, have you befriended... Uh, a crow before? We have, uh, incidentally, uh, more than not. But we've studied people that befriend them um, quite uh, quite a lot, like your neighbor, it sounds like, Drew. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, people that feed in a regular routine, um, uh, oftentimes they'll drop peanuts around here or, or some cat food, some kind of a, of a little kibble. And those birds will key in on that. They'll be waiting for them. They will follow those people. They will fly over their head kind of gently, sometimes even, you know, strafing them a bit, land in front, wait for the food to be delivered to them and develop quite a repertoire. 
And we've had um, we've had people that every morning get up and make bacon and eggs uh, for the crows that they go and walk with and and feed them that. And they develop quite um, pet like relationships where the bird will sit right next to them, sometimes even eat out of their hand. So that this would be is, the other option. Too. No, no, no. I, this, <laughs> this is the problem with that is you look at. That's like people who buy their friends. They're always buying them the drinks or whatever it is. You're just you're buying their affection. I don't. I can't see me sitting, letting the crows eat out of my hand just because they're they're probably still going to eat out of my lawn too. That's the thing. They're still going to use that resource, especially um, you know because it's high protein, high fat, and it's hard to hard to beat a good juicy insect from a from a crow's perspective. So. Linda's had a grub. You why don't you tell like how no, how delicious I, that was, I don't right? Think about it. it was... We were in the rainforest in in the Amazon and, and oh, we yeah. were fed grubs and it was it tasted like chicken actually. Is there anything <laughs> else before we we wrap up John? Is there anything else you think is important for me to know to change my opinion or my frustrations about crows? Well, I would say that, you know, the, these birds are are using their environment much as you do. They are um, farming certain areas for for food. They've got a, a big area that they that they depend upon to live and to reproduce. And um, you know, as Linda said, they they were here before you. Maybe not this same crow, but yeah. there were crows as soon as we started to develop the land. Um, and whether that was through farming or or settlement, crows were there with us. Right. And so they have a stake to the property. And I think, you know, if you have to sacrifice a little bit of lawn to have the enjoyment of seeing this this family, uh, a, a mated male and female that are going to be there for, for their lives and raise kids in that situation, you, you can have a lot of fun watching them, um, enjoying their antics. Maybe you'd see them uh, sunbathing in the mm-hmm. in your lawn area or anting they do all kinds of great things like that oh i've looked up videos i've seen like that thing that they do like the sunbathing <laughs> with their wings yeah. up it's kind of hilarious to see yeah yeah so i mean you'll miss that if you just if you just keep chasing them out we um, can go to another neighborhood linda and watch them do that we'll go over to bernie's neighborhood they'll and watch. probably follow us over there they know our we, faces now. we do laugh if we are uh, like way over like a few blocks away and we see them we're like we know that they know who we are <laughs> so. oh sure i mean maybe what what the best situation is give them some space but not all and so really draw the line where you're going to harass them and where you're not and yeah. the combination of a sprinkler um but give them some space where they can where they can feed so they don't just keep trying to get back into where you're trying to keep them out of a too large of an area and you can't do it all the time. That sounds fair. (laughs) Yeah. To wrap up, can you uh, summarize why it's important for us to understand these species or the species and uh, why it's important to preserve them? I, I think it's very important for us to to get to know the animals that live with us and do well with us. You know, most animals we hear about are those that we cause to go extinct or at least to become very rare or live in faraway places, uh, not not around our houses. And there are some animals that do quite well with us and, and crows are one of those. And they've influenced our culture uh, for millennia 
think of our English language and the the references we have to crow. It's not all bad. The crow's nest of a of a ship, for example, or mm. a crowbar to open things. Mm. So they they've influenced us, and it will continue to influence us in positive and negative ways. I mean, it's a challenge living with wildlife, but understanding them can help us. I think deal with that challenge either effectively or to accept it and and learn to live with them. It's really hard for me to really get at them because they're just doing what they naturally do and yeah. they're a part of this is a part of their land as well and obviously they're not looking at the aesthetic of something they're just <laughs> looking at built-in survival. Yeah. Right, just the resource. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah, understand that and see and and maybe you'll learn that the insects they're getting are ones that are actually more detrimental to your to your mm. lawn if they're not getting them. So that'd be interesting to know what they're really Getting there if it's crane yeah. flies or or one of these uh, non-native pests. And and actually that that's the thing that I'm I'm interested in. I didn't know that there's something other than grubs that was there because my in the back of my mind, you know, you think of certain animals or certain creatures do certain things. Like spiders are good. Um, you know, for example, a spider on our farm stand is a good thing because it's keeping the other bugs away. Whereas some people would just go and kill off the spiders. I'm like, well, no, they're doing their job. In my mind, I was always thinking, crows don't have a job. Their job is to annoy me and their job's to, you know, they, they eat garbage and dead things, but what's their job? But it sounds like they do have a more, more of a, a part of a job in the cycle of uh, what we're doing here than I thought. So Absolutely. So we, we like to end every conversation with a speed round. So if you're ready, Let's Lindy, you can start. Right. What meal makes you feel most at home and who cooked it? I guess it would probably be fried chicken makes me feel at home and my mother used to cook it. Mm. Is there some sort of uh, irony that that's sort of a bird? And Never mind. Um, <laughs> hey, birds are useful. There you go. Uh, what song reminds you of home? Well, I mean, kind of dust in the wind uh, does just because I grew up in Kansas. Nice. nice. Name three things on your bedside table. I've got a couple of books there, a lamp and a alarm clock. All right. All right. What is a, a great sort of life learning moment that you can remember? Well, one, this will resonate with, with your fear of some aspects of the natural world. But I, I, for some reason, remember very clearly my brothers. I have two older brothers. When we lived in South Carolina, they had procured two large rattlesnakes somehow. I think somebody had, had killed them and given to them and they hung them from the chin-up <gasps> bar in the back of our yard. And they hung all the way from that bar down to the oh ground as far as I oh can remember. Gosh. And since that day, I've not been a real fan of snakes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I would never do chin-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I can't, yeah. <laughs> Lastly, what is a memorable growth moment? Well, probably one of the most memorable was um, after... In my schooling, you go through a, a doctoral phase and then a postdoctoral phase. And after doing that, my my wife and I moved from Maine to Idaho, and I had a new job there. And about a week into that job, the owners of the company, it was a consulting firm, came and informed me that they were going to fire the boss the next day and I was going to take over. And so that was a really rapid period of growth trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? Oh, wow. So you're the leader. Oh, wow. Jump yeah. right in. <laughs> yep. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us, John. You and Thank you so much. And if, bet, I, if I do make friends with them, I will let you know and I'll send you a picture of us having tea, me and the, me and the crows or something. <laughs> That'd be uh, great. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> we have if to do you, it. If you find something that works well, do let me know that because 
you're not the only person that asks about how to keep crows out of one place or the other. Yeah, we will for sure. So, Drewby, Mm -hmm. are you feeling a little more uh, at one with nature and... Cuddly with crows? Cuddly with crows. Um, Well, I, I mean, I do... I'm sort of in the same boat that I don't want them ripping up the lawn, but that's, as you know, you see me getting so frustrated, but how frustrated can I get when they're just doing what they're naturally born to do? It's like when you, you know, do the things that you do, I can't like always get frustrated because that's just you. It's just me. (laughs) You're not talking about like farting in bed, are you? Exactly what I was I would never do that. I never do that. Uh, But anyway, no, I, I think it is, it is interesting to hear his perspective and also the fact that they are a useful part of the cycle and this is their stomping grounds as well Mm. and so it's um yeah and and that they're doing some useful things too i didn't know that there were other things aside from grubs that they could be pulling out of the lawn to they can help us so well i thought it was funny that you're just like well they're not useful to society so well (laughs) no and and i wasn't saying that as a way like so let's exterminate them all and I'm, i'm not saying i want them extinct or something like that i just don't want them in our area but anyway crows I love you. If that will make you go away and stop ripping up our lawn. They're probably watching and listening right now. What do you guys think? Do you have issues with some sort of wild animals? The squirrels are just as bad, actually. I'll, they're I'll point so out. cute. They're so cute, but they, they dig holes and everything to try yeah. and hide nuts. It's funny, though. Literally, we'll find peanuts, like full peanuts. It's a neighbor. There is a neighbor giving them peanuts because there's no <laughs> peanut tree in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then walnuts as well. And then they come over here and they're hiding them in our plants and our you pots. Know, and we've seen the crows and the squirrels work together. Yeah. That was weird and cool. I think I might have a picture or a video of it, but literally, oh yeah, Jonathan sent one. The the squirrels and the crows were literally a foot from each other, digging up the front lawn and pulling up the front lawn (laughs) to hide nuts and eat grubs. Anyway. They're a team. Yeah, let us know what you guys have had frustrations with, but I'm sure there are other animals that are actually more menacing. Or if you have any suggestions for ways to, I don't know. Alleviate the tension. Or yes. maybe you already are friends with the, the animals in your neighborhood. So or let us know. Or if you too. are a crow, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> they are smart. They probably do listen to this podcast because you have to be smart to listen to at home. <laughs> well, thanks for joining everyone. Thank you to John Marsloff. And be sure to check out his latest book, In Search of Meadowlarks, Birds, Farms, and Food in Harmony with the Land. We'll, um, we'll post the link in the show notes. Yeah. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino. And Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (laughs) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... 
lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.